I've got a rather unique way to suggest introducing Martin Armstrong, and that is uh, we've got for a limited time only an opportunity to see the documentary done about Marty. It's called The Forecaster. If you go to moneytalks.net, you can click on there. You can get it video on demand, and it's at half price. Everyone else is paying about 50 bucks. You're paying uh, just under 25 So uh, what a great introduction. I enjoyed the the documentary very much what a tremendous background to a record that i say is second to none in the analytical business thanks to his phenomenally sophisticated modeling marty first of all appreciate you taking the time joining us live from athens greece well it's always a pleasure to see you mike well i i want to just start right into it i got a ton of people listening across the country you know, I'm, I was thinking back in, in preparing for having you on today. It was back in 1998, you put a slide up at the World Outlook Conference in Vancouver. So think about this, everyone. 1998, there's a slide that goes up. On that slide, it's, it turns out it accurately predicted exactly when the top of the of the dot-com bubble came, uh, the, China, uh, the Russian currency crisis, the Asian currency crisis. Uh, this is incredible, and people from Alberta will appreciate this. Back in 98-99, you got oil prices getting as low as $9 a barrel. On that slide, it says, don't worry, 2007, we're getting to 100 We actually got to $99.21. Uh, then started to talk, the slide talked about the sovereign debt crisis coming. But here's the thing I want to get to today. The slide also is the first time I saw this date, 2015.75. In other words, September 30th, coming up Wednesday, and Thursday, October 1st. Uh, this is the beginning of, uh, you know, what Marty's come to see as it could be the big bang for the next leg of the debt crisis. Marty, I want you just to elaborate on this. I mean, my gosh, we've already seen France and Japan downgraded last week for debt. You've got the emerging market problems, Brazil, Venezuela. Can you elaborate a little bit more of what we're coming to see when we get to that pivotal date on your model? Um, it is... A crisis beyond really description. Uh, I posted on the web. I mean, there's all kinds of rumors that have been going around about Deutsche Bank, etc. Because uh, Deutsche Bank failed the um, stress test back in March, and then the head of Deutsche Bank resigned in June. And effectively, now you have uh, the Bundesbank coming out and saying that they should hide and not release the results of stress tests, but. I think what people have to appreciate is that governments are largely run by lawyers. They have no expertise in finance whatsoever. And, I mean, I studied law. Basically, they go in there with an attitude, I can write a law and you have to do this. They do not go in there with, gee, how does this actually function? They're going in with an attitude of power. And as a result, honestly, um, government has been just plagued with, with, with lawyers. And fine, they know how to write a law, but they don't know anything about it, uh, the economy or people or how things function. And, you know, you, you take Bretton Woods. You know, you get a lot of rhetoric saying, oh, we should return to a gold standard. You know, why? That has always failed as well. I mean, a two-year-old with a pocket calculator could figure that one out. You're fixing gold at $35, but you don't fix the amount of currency. So you continue to print money. 
but oh no, gold can only be thirty-five bucks. I mean, come on, something at some point in time, it's got to go bust. And the same thing with the euro. Um, they came to us. I said, look, you know, you cannot design a currency this way. Um, you have to have a single national debt. And they said, yeah, okay, fine, we understand that. But we, they didn't think they could sell it to the European population. So they told me, okay, don't worry, we're just going to do the currency first, then we'll consolidate the debt. And, of course, those people leave, and phase two, consolidating the debt, never happens. And now you have you know, governments over there setting interest rates to negative, doing everything but admitting, hey, you really screwed up here, all right? Why is the European banking system in such disarray? And it's effectively that the reserves of these banks are made up of sovereign debt of all members. So Greece goes down, then you really got to figure out, okay, which bank had most of the Greek debt? It's, it's nuts. It's as if the, you, know, you took the, the banks in Canada or uh, United States and they could use the debt of all 50 states as, as collateral. I mean, it's you, you end up with total chaos. So the euro is effectively just sucking in everything. And, um, I mean, I'm over here in Greece, and it's just, it's amazing. The people have just given up on government. And they, they basically say, yeah, we voted the same guys in. Why? Well, because the last one were so bad. These people don't do what we, everybody's giving up. I mean, politicians are just the dirtiest word ever. And so what you end up with, this is why Donald Trump's doing so well. Because if everybody that I talk to says, well, at least we know he's not owned by somebody else. I mean, if that's your fail-safe, that shows how bad the confidence is in government. And that's what this turning point's about. It's, uh, it's really, this is the peak in government and we have interest rates at a 5,000-year low. I mean, they can't just keep going this way. They're trying to punish everybody to say, we're going to tax you unless you start spending your money. You know, and people are hoarding. They don't trust the future. You have birth rates collapsing. People won't get, get married because they have no faith in the future at all. I mean, your head over there told the youth, in Canada, they should go work for free since they're living with their parents. I mean, you know, what are you people doing here? I mean, every government around the globe is just out of their mind. And, Let me just... Um... Um, it's, it's just we're, we're approaching the, the peak. This is the peak in government. That's it. After this, honestly, holy hell breaks loose. Uh, let me, well, you know, one of the things that's so obvious is I, one of the lines I loved coming out of the Greek situation was uh, when uh, Cyprus got in, they started to talk about all we've been doing is extending and pretending. We were ex extending debt, pretending we're paying it back. We're not paying it back. But the other side of that bailout was what a joke. They're getting bailed out with money that's partially owned by or, or on the hook for by Portugal, by Spain, by Italy. I mean, that's just laughable. You know, talk about uh, you know the bankrupt bailing out the bankrupt. Uh, is this going to be predominantly a public sector problem? Yeah, I mean it's really quite crazy. Um, if I 
write you a check for a billion and you write a check for me for a billion, we're technically both billionaires. Just don't cash them. <laughs> Uh, that's effectively what, what's going on. It's it's um, nobody pays back any debt, and um, why do we borrow? It's there's no rational reason to continue to borrow here when you have no concept or intention of ever paying anything back. Then you look at the national debt, and effectively about seventy percent is. Previous uh, interest expenditures. So this whole socialistic idea, oh, we go get the rich and all the rest of the stuff, fine. They go, you know, let's go get the rich. Does it ever lower anybody else's taxes? No. Does it ever balance the budget? No. All they ever do is, is grab more money for themselves. That's it. So... I mean, this is just really, it, it's getting completely out of control. And, um, you know, we have to really sit down at some point here, and I think that's what the free markets are doing. They're, they're essentially just going to force uh, the change because it, it's just total insanity. I'm talking with Martin Armstrong. Martin correctly predicted the fall, in, or his models predicted the fall in the Berlin Wall, the top in the Japanese Nikkei Index for over a generation, he told me. Uh, if you went to the World Outlook Conference two years ago, you saw him talk about, uh, or actually it's nearly three years ago, he said, hey, guess what? Russia's going to invade Japan as part of this, or rather, Russia's going to invade Ukraine, pardon me, Ukraine as part of this incredibly increasing tension geopolitically, correctly predicted the dot-com bubble bursting with his models. I'll find out what he thinks about uh, where the big losers and big winners are going to be going forward. We'll talk about gold, all of that coming up right here across the Chorus Radio Network. I've often said if there's one guy I can talk to about economics, finance, what's going on in the world, it's Martin Armstrong. He is my guest live from Athens, Greece. But a reminder, too, uh, they did a documentary on Marty a year ago. I've seen it, loved it. Uh, Really interesting background about what's going on in the world of finance, what went on in Marty's life. Uh, And I really recommend it. But the good news here is I've talked to the producers of the film uh, just until Wednesday if you're a Money Talks listener, all you have to do is go to moneytalks.net. You can see there where you can click on to get a half-price thing uh, for the forecaster. The other thing is Marty's doing on Tuesday live from is it live from Berlin, I think. Uh, Marty's going to be there talking about the kind of events that are, are gripping. It's a major educational conference. And uh, I, I, as I say, it's a must, and you can go there, again, get details. I'd really encourage you to do it if you want to get the background and what's going on. Uh, time is always so short here, Marty. I just want to come to, if people want the bottom line, if we're sort of entering another phase of the debt crisis, as it might be on the bank level, you've warned us it could be in the state, the municipal level, uh, you know, with real problems. I, I know this is a really broad question. Take it where you will, but... Who are going to be the big losers in this? I'm, I'm worried about individuals. Effectively, any type of government bond. Um, I mean, at first, you're going to see the U.S. Um, be okay. And that's, that's largely because everything doesn't collapse at one time. And what we're going to see is effectively the more crisis in debt will be in, in Japan as well as pre- predominantly in Europe more Europe than anywhere else. Uh, and it's because, like I said, the banks are, have no real clear-cut reserves. Um, they've never 
really clean up any of the problems they had from 2007. So it's kind of like Japan in the sense that it's just, you know, a slow water-dripping torture test. And uh, so over the next particularly two years, you're going to see much, you know, sharper decline in Europe than, than probably anywhere. This is manifesting in, in civil unrest everywhere, just everywhere from, from Scotland wants to break away from UK. Uh, England's now talking about, you know, breaking away from the EU. I was over in Barcelona. They have a vote, you know, tomorrow, which is basically for independence. Uh, it's everywhere you go. Um, I really think you'll see Greece end up breaking up back to city-states. It, it's just, you know, politicians don't get it. They really don't get it. And I can tell you there was a, a focus group, a secret focus group, that the Republicans put together. And they showed everything possible negative against Donald Trump to try and find something as to why, you know, how to, how to, to, you know, to defeat him. And the focus group, when they were done, they liked him more. And the memo went back to the Republicans saying, hey, you guys better pay attention. These people really do not like politicians. This is why Bonner has had to resign. I mean, this is a guy who has basically went after the Tea Party, funded trying to, to get rid of particular Republicans, Anybody that supported Ron Paul, he, he kicked them off of all financial, you know, panels. And the guy has been an absolute ruthless dictator. And Trump is, has risen. The Tea Party has basically uh, scored a final victory against him, and he had to resign. This is happening everywhere. And it's, it's really a crisis in government that we're looking at. The bond market should really collapse. And what you'll see initially is capital moving into this direction, into North America, primarily the United States. Canada still also has some problems, um, simply a closing below the 7990 level at year end. Uh, will, you know, confirm, you know, the Canadian dollar should go down further into next year. A closing below 71 will, will definitely make it a sharp drop. But... Um, <clears throat> We're looking at really major contractions here in capital. And keep in mind that the higher a currency goes, the more deflation is created. So as the capital comes in, that will push the dollar up. That is what will turn the U.S. economy down. You know, it's not like a stock here. You know, and people say, oh, the dollar is going up. It's not like bullish, okay? If the dollar goes up, the economy will turn down. Corporations will then make less money. If the dollar goes down, they'll, they'll make more money selling overseas. So, you know, that's not the way things, you know, resolve themselves. So we're going to be looking at more or less capital once it starts figuring out that governments are really the problem. Uh, you're going to have capital, you know, fleeing more of the public sector and going into private. And the big money right now from Europe is starting to buy U.S. corporate bonds, not government. And the same thing took place during the Great Depression. Once people realized that governments were in, were in trouble, the the spread between corporate and uh, governments collapsed. So we're we're going to be looking more in that area. 
the stock markets will probably go down first and then flip around and we're going to take off again to new highs. Um, it, capital is, is really in a serious, um, confused state. It, it, it has to find some place to go. And you're, when the private sector is crashing, you run to government bonds. When government crashes, you run to the private sector. So just understand who's in trouble at this time. And it's government yeah. all around the world. It, 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 and it's just straightforward. People can take this right down to a personal level because I, I get asked this all the time, Marty. Where can I put my money that feels safe? Uh, you know, and, and you can imagine how they're asking that in Europe. You can imagine that they've been asking that question for a couple of years in an aggressive way in China. That money's moving. And as you're saying, at least at this juncture, the money gets nervous. It flows into the U.S. Uh, and, and again, we've seen a lot of evidence of that with the strength in the U.S. dollar. And you look at the Canadian dollar, yes, it's down versus the U.S., but it's up versus other currencies because it's really essentially a pro-U.S. dollar move. Correct. And, you know, this is part of the, you know, we have, you know, people don't realize that a lot of the, the stuff you see on TV about economics, it's all just propaganda. Most of it, they don't even understand what they're talking about, honestly. Uh, take China. You know, they were saying, oh, the Chinese, you know, the, the economy is doing well, and then all of a sudden the stock market crashes, and they're kind of surprised. No, it was not. They don't understand how what's going on. The uh, In China, those who had effectively a license for exports were borrowing dollars in Hong Kong, very cheap, and bringing the money back home. So they were just looking at capital flows and go, oh, you know, China's selling a lot of stuff. No, it was just money moving in that was borrowed. So <laughs> people don't understand that the economic statistics that are, are out there are really all bogus. Let and me just hold you at that for a second. I was going to say, let me hold you at that for a sec, because i got to take a break. i got Martin Armstrong on the line. He's live from Athens, Greece. I want to also invite you to go to moneytalks.net. Click on the button there. I think you'll really enjoy the, the documentary, The Forecaster, and we got it at half price for you. Also, Marty's going to do live Athens, uh, the, or, uh, the 29th, I think it is, the 29th from Athens. All of that's there. Go to moneytalks.net. I'll come back. I'll ask him specifically about gold and then commodities. All of that coming your way. Stay with us right here on the Chorus Radio Network. You're listening to Money Talks. I'm talking to Martin Armstrong, armstrongeconomics.com. Go to moneytalks.net. Click on and uh, watch the forecaster documentary that was done on Marty. Uh, before the break, talking with Marty, we talked, okay, so let's just sum up here very quickly for people. Uh, we're talking about uh, the debt crisis, especially in Europe, but there's so many other places. I mean, Venezuelans are saying, what debt crisis? We're already in collapse. Uh, but starting in Europe here, uh, which means this, money flowing into the U.S., a stronger U.S. dollar, uh, maybe a down stock market to begin with, but ultimately money going into that sort of private sector investment, new highs in the stock market there. Uh, you look at bonds, you want to stay very short term on that. And that brings me to this. Marty, I, I just want to, you know, you've, you've warned us about gold for a long time, saying, no, it is not going to recover at this point. Looking at that $1,000 range, see what happens at that point. Uh, let's talk about ver gold very quickly. Well, it, I think largely with most of the uh, commodities, and, they, you know, I know a lot of the people that promote gold say, oh, it's really money, et cetera. It's not. It, it, when it, you're on a gold standard, you know, gold functions opposite of silver. 
All right, it it rises during deflation and falls during inflation. When gold is not money and it is just simply a commodity, then it it functions like all the rest of the commodities. So essentially, you know, we're going to see gold take off, but you have to realize that when you know gold is going to rise, it it will rise because of not fiat or any of this other nonsense, it will rise because people are going to be concerned about the survivability of the banks and government. That's it. All right? It's got nothing to do with the dollar and paper money and all this other nonsense. It's, it really has to do simply with uh, what we're talking about here, and that is really the, you know, the confidence in government. So we're probably looking at final lows and commodities, etc., most likely by the, you know, towards the end of the first quarter next year. And uh, this is what, you know, we're really into at this particular time. We have to have a lot of uh, people, you know, scared. You have more than 50% of the municipal governments in Germany, which are, are basically bankrupt. You have this... Um, the scandal with uh, Volkswagen, and that's the largest really employer. You have a lot of people saying, well, maybe we shouldn't be trusting German cars anymore. Um, you're, you're talking about undermining the core economy of Europe. And now you throw, you know, the Deutsche Bank problem on top of it. You know, the two of them combined, forget it. I mean, it's, it's like a the death knell for Europe. So if you're going to have... Um, all this this chaos here, and what they don't understand about Europe is, <clears throat> if you you took a mortgage in U.S. dollars, and the Canadian dollar fell thirty percent, and your mortgage is in U.S. dollars, you now owe thirty percent more, right? Yes. That's what they did with the euro. They took all of Southern Europe, they converted the, their past debt into euro. The euro goes from 80 cents to 160. They couldn't pay it, and <clears throat> politicians can't figure this out. They're lawyers, and they have no concept of finance, markets. They've never traded. They don't understand this. So all they do is put in more oppressive actions on the people, austerity, stuff like this, and it's all to support the bond market. So... <clears throat> Commodities look down into uh, early next year, and we're looking at effectively capital will shift into the equity markets. That will be your um, – you'll see stocks actually rise with gold, with commodities, and it's going to be the alternative to the public sector. But the reason the Fed has been saying they have to, quote-unquote, normalize interest rates is essentially they need to raise interest rates because all your pension funds are going bankrupt. So, you know, they need 8% to, to break even. CalPERS, which was the biggest pension fund in the United States, you know, they needed 7.4%. And what happened? Um, they ended up um, coming in at 24 And this is why the Fed is saying we have to normalize. But then... My sources were saying they didn't raise rates because Europe's on its knees begging, gee, if you raise rates, our banks are going to fail. So it's just a total mess. 
Let me just ask you very let me ask you very quickly here, because time's short, and you've just alluded to it, uh, you know, about the commodity sector. Uh, but any price action specifically in oil? Oil, honestly, is long-term, it's dead. Okay. We're in a, a shift in technology. Um, we're moving more towards electric cars, things of this nature. I myself just bought bought one from uh, BMW. It's fantastic. It has a it does have a gasoline engine in the back and it has electric in the front. And I've never had to plug the thing in yet. You know, and it gets you know, the worst gas mileage it gets is twenty eight and if I use it in the full hybrid it gets seventy eight. I mean oil is, is declining. And I can tell you right over there on the east coast or the west coast you have Oregon, etc. What states are looking at now, and get ready for this one, they're asking you if you're going to register your car, what is the odometer? Why? Because they're all losing money because people are using much less gasoline today than they did before. And consequently, they're going to move to taxing you per mile that you drive. That's what's coming. Yeah, that's that's the world we're living in, Marty. I've kept you longer than I said, and I know it's late at uh, late in Greece right now. But I, I really would invite people to go and watch the Forecaster movie, or join you on the 29th for a special Q and A around the Forecaster. That information is up right now uh, on MoneyTalks.net. Marty, terrific to talk with you. Oh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Mike. Look forward to seeing you soon. I'll be seeing you uh, in the States and then in Berlin. Marty Armstrong, of course, uh, as I say, you can get the one thing you just pull away from that is, man, things are changing. The volatility we've been experiencing. Marty's been warning about that for years, saying, hey, this is nothing yet. We've still got tons of volatility to come. And again, you can re-listen to any or all of that interview by going to moneytalks.net. I'll take a break. I'll come back. I've got a shocking stat, and i got Victor Adair and a Goofy Award. All of that coming your way. A reminder, we've got a live seminar happening right after the show talking about covered call writing. If you don't know what that is, this is a seminar for you. It's a great way of enhancing the yield in your quality stocks. It's always on this show about quality stocks, but a chance to not only get a dividend, but also to get some income coming from the covered calls. It's a strategy I've used myself zillions of times to great effect. And so we're putting on a seminar, or thank you to Patrick, Serezna, uh, Chief Strategist for Learn to Trade Global. It is free for Money Talks listeners. You just go to moneytalks.net. It's right there, staring you in the face. Click on and sign on. It's going to be for five minutes after the top of the hour here. So uh, that's what's happening. Time now for this week's shocking stat of the week. Here's a tough one for people to get. Uh, it's about the purchasing power of a currency. And we'll take gold, because gold hasn't changed since the origins of the Federal Reserve, or rather, you know, the, the newest version of the Federal Reserve was established, I think it was December two, 1913, December 1913. Okay, at that point, it took $20 to buy one ounce of gold. Well, you know that the gold hasn't changed, right? It's still that ounce. It takes 56 times or so more money today. In other words, a dollar buys one fifty-sixth as much as it used to. I hope that wasn't too confusing. Uh, you know, gold hasn't changed. It's just how much money it takes to buy it. 
And that's what's key. That's the purchasing power of your currency. But what about broader basket than just gold? This is what my shocking stat was. A dollar today can buy only four cents worth of goods it could have in 1913. You got that? So a buck today only buys four cents of what it used to. In other words, it's the old, it doesn't buy what it used to. And they keep in mind that the Federal Reserve was instigated partly to protect the purchasing power of the dollar. Well, think how aggressively it's undermined that today. Isn't that incredible? A dollar today buys only four cents. You look at a basket of goods. But as I say, maybe easiest to understand when you look at the world of gold. It used to cost $20. Now it costs whatever, let's call it 1100 to make it easy, 56 times more. It's not that gold changed. It's what your money can buy changed. And that's what's so interesting about the massive sort of quantitative easing creation of money that's going on. That's why people think at some point it's got to result in lower purchasing power of that currency. A lot of other variables going into it to understand what happens on a day-to-day business basis, but wow, a dollar today by only four cents of goods that it could have just over a hundred years ago. I'll take a break. Just a reminder, go to moneytalks.net for the seminar, but also to click on, because you only got three days left this weekend. Why don't you watch The Forecaster? I think it's fascinating. Also, you can sign in and be part of the Q&A for Marty's session there at The Forecaster coming on. Uh, it's on the 29th, a Q&A with The Forecaster. It's going to be very interesting. All of that coming your way. But right now, Victor Derry's live from the trading desk. I'm going to get him on. I'm going to give you a goofy right here across the Chorus Radio Network. Listening to Money Talks, I've got a goofy award planned for you coming up in just a couple of minutes' time. Also, we've got the big options uh, covered call writing seminar, important for anyone looking for yield in their portfolio about five minutes after the top of the hour. Right now, very pleased to welcome to the show Victor Adair. I gave him a week off last week. He's ready to go here live from the trading desk. <laughs> Mike, uh, it was great that you had Marty Armstrong on. I've uh, followed Marty for so many years, and it really reinforced in my mind that the key question that I'm looking at right now is not, you know, is the Fed going to raise rates or are they not? You know, is China going to do this or is China going to do that? I think the key question is whether that recent trend that we've seen with capital flowing away from the periphery and coming back to the center continues. Now, a real good example of what I mean by that is in the last several months, we have seen emerging currencies around the world just crater against the U.S. dollar as capital comes home from those far-flung overseas places to the relative safety of the United States. My bet is that flow continues. And listening to Marty this morning, I'm more convinced of that than ever. So you're talking about cap. the big key here from Marty is that capital will flow into uh, the U.S. And as you say, it's already killing emerging markets. Yeah, we've seen, I mean, that's just one example. It was where capital has left emerging markets, left the periphery, come back to the center, which is safety, goes from, in other words, a risk-on to a risk-off frame of mind. Another example of that would be how capital has uh, left uh, junkier bonds and gone to the safety of safer quality bonds. But really what it is, I, I get this sense of market psychology across different asset classes, you know, we had a pretty extended run there for some, long, some time, and now capital is getting a little more cautious. 
it's like they can smell something's going on. You know, Marty's talking about the end of government. I don't think that's recognized across the markets, but people have a feel for that, particularly big money capital, and it starts to move. And of course, when we look at the charts, we see that we see the, the the footprints of that capital moving in the charts. We see uh, the the what I think is people just wanting to maybe hunker down instead of reaching for yield. Uh, you know, and it's it's. Uh... The other thing that comes through to me, as I said right at the end there, it just tells you how chaotic things are going to get, or volatile may be a better word, what have you. But, uh, you know, that's a huge problem. Well, I'm certainly anticipating, uh, you know, and thank you, by the way, for giving me a week off. It gave me a chance. I, I was off on a golf trip, and I came back, and I was kind of really thinking about how I wanted to reengage in the markets. And just this past week, I didn't see anything I really wanted to do, so I had an opportunity to be a little bit more reflective, think about how I want to go about things. I would say the key things that I'm going to be looking to do in my short-term trading accounts over the next couple of months are to be buying the U.S. dollar against other currencies and looking for opportunities to be short in stocks and commodities. And I certainly hear what Marty says, you know, we're going to have stocks down first, but then go on to all new highs sometime later next year. Well, you know, that that's a that's a gives me lots of time to turn around. But in the near term, short commodities, short stocks, and long the US dollar. Great stuff as always, Vic. Nice to have you back. Great to be back, Mike. Victor Adair. Live from the trading desk, my thanks to Victor. Obviously, my thanks also to uh, Marty Armstrong. Aussie Jerk will be back. He's busy at his conference this week. He'll be back next week. My thanks to Marty, though, and my thanks to Michael Levy. And just a reminder, the options seminar starts in about six minutes. No, it's about eight minutes' time. Uh, Just go to moneytalks.net, where you can also find how to get a half price to watch The Forecaster, the movie. Time now for this week's uh, Goofy Award. And by the way, Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a tech-related investment, but here's the key. It's royalty-based, means you're first in line to get paid. Secondly, there's no fees involved in the tech sphere. So go to uh, soleraclub.com. This week's Goofy. I always am blown away when people start talking about we have to get UN authority for this or that to do something. What a farce. The United Nation of Thugs and Despots is in the news again this week. Did you see it? Saudi Arabia Saudi Arabia has been named to head their Human Rights Commission. I mean, that, that, to say that's absurd is an understatement when you look at uh, their track record. I love this, how Mike Krieger put this. He's at Liberty Blitzkrieg. He said, if you were trying to put together a global all-star team of the most authoritarian, human rights-abusing nations on Earth, not only would Saudi Arabia be at the top of the list, it would be captain of the squad. And yet they've been appointed head of the Human Rights Commission. You know who else is on that, baby? China. Qatar, Russia, Venezuela, all regularly singled out by Human Rights Watch and other many other groups for their human rights abuses. And here we have the United Nations putting Saudi Arabia as the head of that. What a farce. And yet, as I say, I'm not sure I shouldn't slap that goofy on everybody who always says, oh, we need United Nations approval for this. What an absolute joke that organization is coming to the forefront, especially with things by like human rights commissions on that. 
Just a reminder again, you can listen to any part of what we've been doing on Money Talks any week by going to moneytalks.net. And it's a busy week to go to moneytalks.net. You can not only hear all of the business comments for the week uh, that I do Monday through Friday, but you can re-listen to this program, maybe an important program to do that, uh, re-listen to uh, Michael Levy or Victor or Marty Armstrong and see what he's got to say about just about everything going down because uh, I think these are key things. His date comes up is on Wednesday and Thursday. He's had that date on his modeling for literally decades. Here it is, the beginning, the next leg of the sovereign debt crisis, something that uh, we've been talking about on Money Talks and prepare accordingly. It's not that simple. That's why you've got to stay listening. But we hear what Marty's got to say about that one. And then finally, one more thing. Hey, you've got the Money Talks seminar going on immediately after the show. We're sort of like six minutes away from it. But this is because I think this whole strategy of selling covered calls on quality stocks that give you a dividend is a great way to enhance yield, give yourself some protection to the downside, uh, something to do, but sign on through moneytalks.net. Great stuff. Thanks for listening. Have a good weekend.